When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Brian Tetta, executive producer of The View. It's Friday, and I'm here with Anna Navarro. This is Behind the Table. Hello, Anna Navarro. Hello, Brian. It is Friday. We had a fun show today. It was a very uh, kind of chaotic show in a lot of ways. So last night, I think people are interested in this stuff generally, like the, the scrambling behind the scenes. So usually we do these Super Bowl shows, even though the hosts have a negligible interest in football, but we do these shows with a chef coming out. And this year we decided to have you guys make your own snacks. And the plan was that every segment, one of you would be cooking and come out and things like that. And then all of this news broke yesterday and I'm sitting in my uh, house at 1030 last night and saying, this is not going to work. We need to get right into it doesn't matter that we're wearing jerseys and talking football we need to get right into to hot topics so we we moved everything around and shuffled the show and i i think it all kind of worked out um and the food was even edible i, I the food was edible it was pretty good i mean the super bowls this weekend al is a huge your husband is a huge football fan what are you doing for it nothing <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know what he. I think he's probably going to uh, to the club and watching it. They have like a big thing, or he'll get together with his sons. He's got a whole uh, chat uh, text thread with his sons just about football, where they. I don't know. I think it's like they think they're the owners of a team, or they. I mean, they they moan about the Dolphins endlessly, right? Um, I'm gonna be in flight. Actually, you know what? When is the Super Bowl? What time? About six o'clock. At six o'clock, what Eastern? Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna be in flight with Chacha, uh, paying absolutely no attention. But I, I usually love the Super Bowl uh, commercials. Yeah, we're gonna need you're gonna need you to be up on these for Monday's show. You'll be well, here. We'll send be me links. About it. Send me whatever you you think you need to send me. So, <laughs> so I'm. A, I like the commercials. I like uh, the halftime shows. You know, yeah. I, I, so I don't do football at all. But believe it or not, I've been to several Super Bowls. In Miami, mm-hmm. I went to that famous Super Bowl where uh, Prince sang in the pouring rain. I was there, too. Okay. It was the most miserable experience mm-hmm. of my life. <laughs> and so my ex at the time had tickets like on the 50-yard line at about, I don't know, 10 rows up yep. with three of his friends. So they had four tickets. And then he had one ticket for a suite. And I said to him, look, I really want to see this halftime show, so I'm going to stay down here through halftime, and then I'll, we'll switch and I'll go up to the suite. But it mm-hmm. starts raining and raining and raining, and I'm, like, desperate trying to find cover, asking him to switch, and the text is not going through. And um, then I see this woman selling ponchos. And these are, like, you know, these rickety little plastic ponchos, and she's selling them for, like, $40. And by the time she comes to me, she only has children's size ponchos and I'm obviously not children's size but I end up buying two of these ponchos one that I put over my head like a bib because it was a children's size and the other one I put on my purse <laughs> it was and I tell you what I 
will never go to a Super Bowl again unless like a grandchild of mine is in the Super Bowl. <laughs> in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. All right. Well, talking again about the Super Snackdown today, you made a sheet pan quesadilla from Chef Ingrid Hoffman. Now, you can actually cook. I can actually cook. I did during COVID. I did a lot of Instagrams of me cooking, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I gained 40 pounds during COVID because <laughs> I was, you know, constantly making margarita recipes and uh, Chinese fried rice and, you know, guacamole and all these things. Um, Al says it's his favorite uh, part of COVID. Of course, he ate everything I cooked and didn't gain weight. I ate everything I cooked and I gained a lot of weight. Um, <laughs> but this quesadilla recipe I saw on Instagram because I follow Ingrid Hoffman, who's a friend of mine, lives in Miami. She's a chef. She's actually Colombian. And she's also very much into healthy cooking. She always tries to adapt mostly Latin um, recipes and make them a little healthier. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I saw this recipe and I was like, you know, I really want to try this. This looks very easy and it's all store-bought stuff. You remember Sandra Lee? She had that show where it was like semi-homemade. And I loved that because for busy people to be able to buy a rotisserie chicken that's shredded already, a, you know, buy a bottled salsa verde, buy flour tortillas, you just have to put things together. So for a busy person, I felt that that recipe uh, worked. Yeah, I think people are going to really enjoy it. And I like that we were all doing recipes you guys actually wanted to make yourselves. And Joy had the family recipe and, and Sunny had her little wings that she talks about, although she might have known those chickens. I don't know what happened. <laughs> um, all right. So we have we have a question here from a listener. Her name is Erica. Uh -huh. um, let, let's take a listen. It's often talked about how the Latino community is not a monolith, and uh, we saw how that played out in the 2020 election with the community's influence in turning states like Arizona and Nevada blue. What, if anything else, do you think the Biden administration could be doing to connect with the Latino community better? You know, I think they have to do with the Latino community uh, what they have to do with the general uh, community, with everybody else, which is sell their accomplishments and what they've done. They've actually done great things that have been of great help to the Latino community, not to, uh, to begin with ending COVID, which was disproportionately affecting Latino uh, and African-American communities. They have uh, have great accomplishments when it comes to unemployment, when it comes to student loans. I mean, they've done so many things that have helped Latinos. But for some reason, people are the 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 accomplishments is are not getting through the diabetes capping insulin at thirty five percent at thirty five dollars. The Latino community is one of the highest has one of some of the highest incidences of um, diabetes. So what do I think they need to do? They need to go out there um, and be with the community. They need to show up. They need to invest. Um, they need to talk about their uh, their issues, talk about um, their accomplishments, not just talk about immigration. People always think that immigration is a Latino issue. Uh, Latinos are like every other American. We are America. We care about the economy. We care about uh, security. We care about, you know, the, the things that are affecting our bottom line or affecting our kitchen table issues. So they need to go. They need The first thing you need to do is show up and you need to show up consistently. You can't show up four weeks before an election. You can't show up four months before an election. You've got to be consistently showing up. I've done two events um, recently with Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. 
where she's had off the record meetings with um, Latino influencers and just, you know, had a, a very frank conversation of uh, what we're doing, how we're feeling, what our priorities are, what our concerns are. And I, I have told this administration many times, and it's something that Latinos talk amongst ourselves about. I feel like we, the Latino community, feel like um, like a second-class minority at times, right? And when you see the numbers of Latinos on corporate boards, Latinos in the C-suites, Latinos in Hollywood, Latinos, it, they're, they're just awful. They're awful, and there's not no getting around it. And so I think it's so important to be able to see the Latinos that are in the administration, that are in the campaign, and um, and feel that we are part of the conversation, that we have a seat at the table. Right. It's not enough that they're there. They need to right. be visible and need to be there to, to, you know, people like Miguel Cardona and to get them out as much as possible. Miguel Cardona, Alejandro Mayorkas, who was not impeached this week, despite mm-hmm. the Republicans trying. Javier Becerra, who's the Secretary of Health. But if I ask you, um, if I ask you, and you're pretty plugged in, if I ask you, who's the highest ranking Latino at the White House? Can you tell me? Not off the top of my head. I probably would have said Cardona. That's that's an issue that I tell them about all the time. It's probably Tom Paris, oh. who is now a senior advisor uh, to the uh, president. He took over Julie Rodriguez Chavez's job because mm-hmm. she's now the campaign manager. But I don't hear Tom Paris. Right. I don't see Tom Paris. And if I go and I ask any Latino, give me name name the top Latinos at the White House, I don't think uh, anybody could come up with a name. If I say, if I say name some of the top African Americans, I can come up. You can come up with names, right? Yeah, definitely. If I say name the top uh, women, you can come up with some names, sure. right? Press secretary. So, yeah, I mean people who are in front of cameras all the time. So that's my point about feeling like invisible minority, like a second class minority. I, I think it's really important. That people understand that. Right. I mean, does the Republican Party do that better? They don't do that better. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, to his credit, Donald Trump uh, identified a couple of pockets, right? One being Miami-Dade, where I live, mm-hmm. the Cuban-American community in particular. And he showed up and he showed up and he showed up. He kept doing events there, sending pence. That's before they wanted to strangle him. Uh, <laughs> Pompeo. I mean, any little uh, announcement regarding Cuba policy, there'd be a big event at the Freedom Tower, at this, at that, and they would turn it into into all of this, you know, ceremony. Joe Biden has actually done things. You know, he's got he's got a parole program just to benefit Cubans, Nicaraguans, Venezuelans and Haitians. Nobody knows about it. He got like over 200 Nicaraguan political prisoners released who were languishing in jail where some of them were dying close to death because they were in such bad physical shape. Nobody knows about it. Donald Trump did very little, but he made a lot of noise about the little he did. I I feel that this administration is not good at tooting their own horn. We'll be right back after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. 
We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Step into the world of Hollywood like never before with Melissa Rivers' group text podcast. Melissa, renowned for her red carpet expertise and storytelling prowess, invites you to join her and her famous friends for hilarious and heartfelt conversations. From discussing the latest binge-worthy TV shows, navigating the highs and lows of life, and dissecting celebrity fashion, there is never a dull moment. With exclusive stories from special guests like Chelsea Handler, Cheryl Hines, your favorite reality stars, and deep dives into intriguing topics like the Where is Wendy Williams documentary, this podcast offers an insider's look into the glitz and glam of Tinseltown. It's not just Melissa's podcast. It's a collective experience where you're invited to join the conversation. So if you've ever wanted to peek behind the Hollywood curtain, subscribe to Melissa Rivers' group text podcast now on your favorite platform. Get ready for laughter, tears, gossip. In other words, unforgettable moments that'll keep you coming back for more. Don't miss out. This is one group text you won't want to exit. All right. Well, this is a, uh, another interesting thing that's been happening on the show. Yesterday, uh, you weren't here, but we started the show in a very different way. We went right into the uh, Sunny and talking about her results from Finding Your Roots. A lot of the hosts have been on this show uh, lately, and Sunny's results were very surprising. You have, and part of the conversation was, do you want to know about your past? Do you do you want to know? Do you worry about what can be learned that you don't know? You've had your DNA test results done. Were there any surprises? Yeah, so I did Skip Gates' show. I don't know. It must have been about uh, five years ago. It's a terrific show. And I was flabbergasted. I had the opposite result as Sonny. I learned I was the descendant of a slave, of a Costa Rican slave. Really? Who had won his freedom, who had earned his freedom through his trade. He was He made shoes, which might explain my obsession for shoes. And he was able to buy his freedom. And then he married a Costa Rican woman who was not uh, African, who was not uh, black, and they had a child, and that child disavowed him and moved to Nicaragua and passed as white his entire life. Wow. So my family had no idea that we had this freed slave in our as an ancestor because our ancestor, who we did know, had rejected his father and passed as white his entire life. And what was so interesting and, and, and just emotional for me is that when Skip shows me this and uh, reveals this information to me, he shows me the last will and testament of the freed African slave who started life as property but ended life being able to bestow and uh, pass down property. And he said in his last will and testament, and to my son, who at the age of 18 left my side and has disavowed me his entire life, I leave nothing. Let me repeat that. I leave him nothing, which might also explain why I hold grudges. <laughs> I was going to say, this seems very genetically on brand. <laughs> but my, uh, my, my results were, um, you know, my people, uh, I, I come from a long line of wanderers and sluts because I have like <laughs> 17 different 
regions, right? Uh, the the biggest one being Spain. I'm like 52% Spanish, but I'm I'm seven percent African from places like Nigeria and Cameroon and mm-hmm. uh, Togo and you know all Senegal. Um, I I also have Scottish. I have I'm. I have Jewish. I have. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. my people were all over the place. They were. I mean, they 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 apparently had no issues um, sleeping with folks uh, not from their own uh, race or ethnicity. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but if you need a book title, "Wanderers and Sluts," you could do a lot worse. Uh, I'm just saying that's uh, that seems like a bestseller. Have you to done me. yours? I have. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I didn't have any big surprises. A few things. I'm. I'm. Half Italian. My dad's side is almost entirely Italian. Um, and my mom's uh, side, I'm a quarter Jewish. Um, and I am also 12% Swedish. Wouldn't have picked that. I knew that from my family, but that was it. 12% uh, British. Also surprising. And um, then a little bit a little bit Greek, a little bit Albanian. But that's all kind of wrapped up in the Italian, I think. It's all that same part of But, you know, the for me, there were the, the, uh, the big issue I had, well, that was the big... Mm-hmm. revealed a big discovery. My father came up from Nicaragua because he was absolutely sure that he was a direct descendant of Spanish royalty. Mm-hmm. Any Latin with two dimes to rub together thinks they're direct ex- descendants of sure. Spanish royalty. So he was not expecting to be a descendant of a freed slave. But the issue I had was with my mom because my mom was adopted and she wanted nothing to do with her biological father she just you know she it was some it, it, it was source of great trauma for her and she never quite understood how they could give her away which is basically what they did give yeah, her away to um to other uh, to another family member and so skip gates revealed uh the adoptive line the lineage from the adoptive parents and the lineage and the uh, information from the biological parents. And I, I mean, my mom was not happy about that, about those names being revealed and being talked about on TV. And yeah, yeah I, no, I understand. It's uh, it's interesting. You know, there is always that feeling like something could be uh, a family secret could be discovered. I, my, uh, I have a brother-in-law who found a full, full-blooded sister that they did not know about, that he and his siblings did not know about, and they've now reconnected and are very, very close. And so there can be really good, wonderful things that can come out of it too. But um, now my wife, very reluctant to get a DNA test. I don't know why. I've brought them home. I have, you know, we do them here all the time. I got one laying around. I'm like, yeah, do it. Doesn't want to do it. I don't know why. Well, why don't you give it to your kids? I can, yeah, it's And fine. that way you, you get at least half the information. Anyway. Yeah. All right, we have another question, another listener call. Let's take a listen. Hey, Brian, this is Stephen in Palm Springs, California. I have lots of love for the ladies of The View, but I also consider myself a bry guy. So I have to tell you, I was a little concerned when Ana Navarro mentioned that she went to a Backyard Juanes concert and you had no follow-up questions, none, zero, nada. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I forgive you this once. If she drops another one like that, you better be ready. Okay? Wow. Well, first of all, I'm always very excited to hear from a Bry guy. These are my fans, Anna, if you weren't aware oh, of Oh, they're this. called Bry guys? The Bry guys, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Bry guys. I'm working on some merch. Stay tuned. But um, <laughs> they're absolutely right. I, I probably should have followed up on that. Every once in a while, I'll listen to the podcast back and be like, oh, you know what? I, I should have I followed up a question. 
You do went, you know who Juanes is? I do. Yes, you've actually told me to book him. Yes. Do yes. You know, who is he? A performer from. I don't know where. Colombia. Colombia, of course. What kind that of music? Sense. You're shaming me. Okay, so you say that I have a uh, a pop culture blind spot. You have a Latin culture blind I have, spot. I have. I could learn more. I will say that. Okay, Latin so culture. Uh, I, I'm going to Pitbull, but that's that's about it. For you're me. going yeah. to Pitbull? Yeah, I love Pitbull. I love yeah. Pitbull too. Yeah. So um, Juanes is a um, kind of like a. Colombian rock guy. Okay. And he's uh, he's been around for like 30 years, but he opened up so many doors. He's still incredibly uh, relevant and successful, fills up giant stadiums all over the world. Good looking. Um, and this was a fundraiser for the Latin Grammys Foundation. They do a lot to give out scholarships to kids who have a dream to be musicians and sometimes can't afford the classes or can't afford the guitars or whatever. And so they they help out these uh, children with talent um, and need. And so we were at a fundraiser for the Latin Grammys. It was at the home of um, actually a Nicaraguan American friend of mine from my hometown. And... um, Cha-Cha and I went straight from the airport, which is what we usually do, right? <laughs> Friday nights, we go straight from the sure. airport to somewhere. Tonight, we're going to an Irakere concert. I'm incredibly, incredibly excited about this. So I'm going to tell you about Irakere. I'm going to give you a cultural lesson today. Please do. I love that Cha-Cha is going to better concerts than I am, but continue. Cha-Cha has such a much better social life than you do. That's fair. I, I mean, she's got a much better social life than most people. Yes. But... um Irakere is this group that was the rage in Cuba in the 70s. It was founded in Cuba in the 70s, and it includes people like Chucho Valdez, who's one of the best Cuban musicians, incredible pianist, Arturo Sandoval, Grammy award-winning jazz trumpetist, mm-hmm. another monster of, of the genre, Paquito de Rivera, uh, a, a Gram- award-winning saxophonist. So they were all part of this group, Irakere. And um, they had a falling out and they haven't played together in years and years and years. And each of them went to have a very successful solo career. But Irakere was something incredibly special. And then Arturo fled Cuba and the other two talked bad about him. I mean, there is big bad blood. And when I tell you Cuban bad blood is like mm. is like Sicilian black, 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 black bad, blood. bad blood. I mean, it, it'll it, it will last past death. And somehow, they, these guys would not be under the same roof together. Something I know similar happened with the Bare Naked Ladies. That's my reference. Emilio yeah, and Stefan tried to get them to mm-hmm. play uh, together. They wouldn't. Other friends, um, they just wouldn't. They would not be. And um, I'm friends with Arturo Sandoval, the one who's a trumpetist. Yes, and that I, I knew. I texted him uh, yesterday and told him that I was going to the show today. So they're coming together. And uh, to celebrate the 50 years of Irakere. And I said, how do you feel about it? You know, and he said, you know, imagine how I feel. We haven't played together in 44 years. Last time I played with them, I was 30. Now I'm 74. And I think that's part of the reason why they're getting together and why they've maybe buried the hatchet. That's great. Because of age, right? Chucho Valdez is in his 80s. Arturo and Paquito are in their 70s. And I, you know, they either do it or they don't. And I I also think there's just such a huge interest from their fans. It's been sold out for weeks and weeks and weeks. I can't even tell you the strings I had to pull to get uh, tickets from uh, from the Arch. It's at the Arch Center. And I literally had to call Adrian Arsht, <laughs> for whom the center is named. 
That's pretty good. I like that you can call the uh, the namesake of buildings in order to get things done. Um, all right. I'm going to do my homework before our next meeting. You can quiz me on Latin uh, culture. Iraquere. I-R-A-K-E-R-E. I'm on it. I'm okay. On it. All right. We have something kind of special today. We are joined by a very special guest, um, my daughter, who is Hi. kind of shadowing us today. So she got to see how the show works and got to hang around and see rehearsals and meet all the co-hosts again. She hasn't been here since before the pandemic. And we thought it'd be fun to have her join us here in the podcast. Hi, Grace. Hi. This is a 12-year-old Grace Tetta, and uh, she has submitted to be interviewed by Anna Navarro um, about a little bit more about me. Um, I'm a little concerned. And really, if I was going to pick which one of the hosts was going to be interviewing you, I don't know that I would have picked Anna because, you know, she likes to pick on me. But let, let's see what happens. Well, it could have been worse. You could have picked Joy, at which point the child would need therapy. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Afterwards. Could, we could do it together. <laughs> so, okay. Questions I have about your dad. So who's the boss at home? Your mom or your dad? I would like to say my dad, but it's my mom yeah. most of the time. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. And what is the thing you like the most about your dad? His humor. Oh, thank you, Gracie. He's funny, but he tries to be funny sometimes, and that's even funnier. I agree. Wow. You know what I call him? I call him situationally funny. Every now and then, on a, depending on the situation, he can be funny. It's, it's, it's in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just got to like dig, you know, like a diamond, mm-hmm. a piece of coal. Till she, she thinks I try too hard. You, yeah, you, you do sometimes. Polish it. <laughs> and does your dad talk about this podcast a lot? Because he seems to be, I mean, I, I actually think he talks about this podcast more than he talks about his children. Oh, well, um, I would like to say that he doesn't talk about it that much, but he brings it up quite a lot. Well, actually. well quite a lot. Explain to me how often I bring up the podcast. Like every day after you come home. Really? Yes. And then you talk about the Bry Guys and how they love your podcast. Oh, that's true. I, mean, I didn't even guys... know this was a thing. I didn't know Bry Guys were. Well, I hear it about it a lot at home. You're so. in the audience. The, the audience reacts to, to, to the, you know. Okay. Dream guest that your father could book for you, that your father could book on this show. Taylor Swift or Timothy Chalamet. Okay. Who's Taylor? Timothy? Who? Timothy Chalamet is a very big actor um, who right now is in Wonka, which is one of Grace's favorite movies. But is uh, he dating one of the Kardashians? Yeah, very good. Yeah, Kylie Jenner. Yes, look at you, Anna. Look at me. Yeah. How I know this, I don't know. Where I go. read this, I don't. is this the one that was dating Bad Bunny? Uh, no. Has she moved on to this guy? No, no it's different a different Kardashian. One. Different Kardashian. This is uh, Kylie Jenner. I, I can't. I can't keep them straight. But yes, he, but that's good. Yeah. Okay. How about dream guest for you, Brian? Who would oh, be dream... your dream guest that you'd like to book? You know, since the time I've been here, we have. I'd love to have Taylor Swift or Timothy Chalamet on. But since the time we've been here, we have not had uh, Barack Obama, and I would really like to have Barack Obama on the show. Mm. That's a big one for me. You know, he's coming to New York next month. I would be thrilled. I've got to meet him um, when we worked at the Letterman Show. I actually, this is one of my cool things, my cool stories. I introduced for the very first time LeBron James to Barack Obama. Oh, wow. That was That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, I was producing LeBron James, and Barack Obama was a senator then. And I brought him in and said, hey, would you like to meet Le- uh, LeBron James, Senator Barack Obama? Here we go. And that was I think cool. for me, I, I, you know who I'm obsessed with is Jennifer Coolidge. Do you oh. watch White Lotus? No, all? but she's seen Legally nope. Blonde. The uh, Oh, she's the nail girl? Yeah, the Legally nail girl Blonde. in Legally Blonde. That's how she knows her. Obsessed. Obsessed with her, and I would love for us to get uh, one of those, you know, these great Latino singers like Ricky Martin or um, or Mark Anthony, but I know Mark is never going to wake up in the, to come and do this show, but we can dream. We will keep trying. All right, so the other thing that Anna brought up, the last question for you, is she, we were talking before off camera with all the football stuff, and she was saying how she's been reading that mm-hmm. Taylor Swift is bringing dads and daughters together over football. Mm-hmm. And she said, is that happening with you guys? Mm-hmm. So how's that working out, Grace? What do you think? 
I have no interest at all in football. None whatsoever. I get banished to the basement when I watch football. Yeah, I tell you to go to the basement so I can watch my Broadway shows. Yes. I so wish I had a basement. In, in Miami, nobody has basements. because Oh, he I, calls I, it his man cave. Oh, the poor thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, does it actually look manly? Yeah, or is he, he has just, like, or is um, this just signed football, footballs all up on the thing, like photos and his video games. And yeah. so how much time are you spending down there in the basement? In football season, quite a bit. I would yes. say most Sundays. If Taylor Swift's on the TV and it's on there for a while, I will come down and slowly watch it. But as soon as she's gone and the game starts, I will be upstairs. Yeah. So you only watch uh, games involving Taylor Swift's boyfriend? Yes. No, just like Taylor Swift in general. She doesn't even I, care I don't about, care the about her boyfriend. She just wants to see Taylor. Now, I did take you to the Eras tour. That was really yes, cool. Yes, that was fun. Yeah, we had a great day. That was yes. just the two of us. That was a lot of fun. Yes. So there you go. I'm a good dad. Yes, Which you is are. the Eras tour? Is this, the one, is this, this is Taylor one, Swift's Taylor Swift's crazy current one. tour where she's going everywhere. We went. Uh, and saw it together. I just and... want to see Madonna. Do you know who Madonna is, or is she? Yes, cool? I do. Oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. I, I, at least I don't feel like I'm like in the Jurassic era. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Grace, for joining us. Bye, thank you, Grace. Thank you for joining me, Anna. Monday, I'll be back with Sarah Haynes. The number to call or text us with questions is right here in this episode description. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll see you on Monday. Behind the Table is executive produced by Brian Tedda. Supervising producers are Nathan Getty and Summer Shake, with production assistant Emily Darcy. The vice president of ABC Audio is Liz Alessi. And the executive producer of podcast programming is Laura Mayer. Special thanks to Lori Hogan, Susie Liu, Meg Fierro, Molly Kaiser, Josh Cohan, Ariel Chester, Frankie Perez, Audrey Mostek, and Dana Schaefer. Step into the world of Hollywood like never before with Melissa Rivers' Group Text Podcast. Melissa, renowned for her red carpet expertise and storytelling prowess, invites you to join her and her famous friends for hilarious and heartfelt conversations. From discussing the latest binge-worthy TV shows, navigating the highs and lows of life, and dissecting celebrity fashion, there is never a dull moment. With exclusive stories from special guests like Chelsea Handler, Cheryl Hines, your favorite reality stars, and deep dives into intriguing topics like the Where is Wendy Williams documentary, this podcast offers an insider's look into the glitz and glam of Tinseltown. It's not just Melissa's podcast. It's a collective experience where you're invited to join the conversation. So if you've ever wanted to peek behind the Hollywood curtain, subscribe to Melissa Rivers' group text podcast now on your favorite platform. Get ready for laughter, tears, gossip. In other words, unforgettable moments that'll keep you coming back for more. Don't miss out. This is one group text you won't want to exit.